even though she was verbally very, you know, strict about it, I felt like some of her actions were a little, little sus to me. You're Max Fisher. You're sitting in class like, fucking teacher wants to be so bad. No, no, no. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Alon. And this is David. And today, I finally watched Rushmore. So I guess uh, we're kicking off our Anderson run with our first Wes Anderson movie. Then we're going to do a Paul Thomas Anderson, then another Wes Anderson, and then end it with a final Paul Thomas Anderson movie. And we start off with Rushmore, which is actually one of my favorite Wes Anderson movies. One of his greater works, I think. They're all, gr- they're all great. They are. Yes, I agree. Um, did you feel... Like you were walking into a Wes Anderson movie when this uh, film started? Um, or did you, because in my opinion, this is one of the most less Wan- Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson films. Have you seen Bottle Rocket? No, I haven't. So after we do our next one, which is going to be Darjeeling Limited, the only Wes Anderson movies I haven't seen are his latest Fresh French Dispatch and his first um, Bottle Rocket. And I plan on just watching that at some point soon. Um, but it, it kind of makes sense that this would be the less, one of the least Wes Anderson type movies and yet still so Wes Anderson. Yeah. Um, like whenever there's like a letter written or like a, a item delivered, the fact that it's just like, it's almost put under like one of those, um, when you're in school, you know how you'd put something on like the blackboard. So you'd put it down and have the camera just over top of it. Uh, like a projector. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's shot as if it's like a projector and it's like, it's, it's, you know, that's just like quintessential him um also equip equip that with a voiceover too right with someone reading it yeah the person who wrote it reading it it has to be um for the longest time and i think i probably learned this within the last couple of years that this was a wes anderson movie i had like no idea and it always looked like something i had no desire to watch whatsoever um and i was very wrong to to feel that way and then once i once I realized it was a Wes Anderson movie, I was like, I, I want to watch it. But I had the feeling going into it. I was like, this is not going to be, this isn't going to be Grand Budapest. This isn't going to be like, um, Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't going to, it's not going to be the way he is now. And it still is pretty, it's pretty damn close. Uh, it's a little like, not as lighthearted, I guess, but still sure. it's, yeah. it's, and it's definitely, you know, obviously you can tell that the budget's lower and, and whatever. Um, but it's still great. Uh, and it's like, it goes to show you like, obviously he had the movie before this ball rocket, but it goes to show you like this kind of being his more breakout thing. Um, just how perfect Schwartzman and Bill Murray are for Wes Anderson movies. <laughs> and how they've, st- how they've stuck with it. Do you, uh, do you know how old Jason Schwartzman was during the filming of this film? I think it was, did I read he was 17? So yeah, he was 17, 18, but it's so funny how all the rest of the high schoolers in the cast were actually high schoolers, which made it seem like I thought at first they were trying to do something like, um, well, okay, metaphorically, they were, they were trying to show he was kind of ahead for his age, but literally he was actually 17 or 18, like two or three years older than his 15 year old character portrayal. 
But I thought at first what they were trying to do is say like, oh, this is how many times he purposely held himself back just so he could stay at Rushmore longer, which I guess is kind of his plan. But as we will talk about, didn't quite work out that way. Uh, right. And he also the fact that he's like quite a bit shorter than like the adults. But quite a bit taller than all the other little kids. I mean, somewhat. He's still pretty tiny compared to like uh, the uh, the Scottish guy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But his like his best friend and the little little kid. I, it's so funny seeing seeing him like actually best friends with the little blonde kid because of their uh, obvious age difference. Right. Well, but that's that that little kid's not playing a fifteen year old. He's playing like a 10, 11 year old. Yeah, but they're still in the same. And he's only friends with them for the HJs. Not from the little kid, but from the little kid's mom, to be clear. Uh, You know what I read about? So this is Jason Schwartzman's first role. And in reading that, I learned some stuff that I did not. First of all, his uncle is Francis Ford Coppola. You didn't know he was related to Nicolas Cage, did you? His, I don't care. His mom is Talia Shire, who plays Connie in Godfather and Adrian in Rocky. And he was the drummer for Phantom Planet? Yeah, I knew he was in a band called Phantom Planet, but I, I, I didn't, I've never heard anything from them. They did the theme song to the OC. <laughs> to the, the show OC? Yeah. Oh, California, crazy. here we come. Right back that's where them? we started from. That's, that's them? Phantom Planet. That's Jason Schwartzman? Well, I think he left the band at some point, so oh, okay. I don't know. Well, man, it's, it's got, my, got my hopes up. No, that's funny. It's, yeah. And his second cousin is Nicolas Cage, something like that. It's a weird family. Yeah, I mean, I knew Cage was related to the Coppolas, but um, that's just so much. And the fact that he, this is his first role, it's obviously a breakout for him. And it's like also, too, with, with Bottle Rocket, to get, you know, Owen Wilson and Wes Anderson, I think, went to college together. But to get Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson and Wes Anderson to do a movie and then them just all become huge from it. Um, and then to do this and have Joyce, Jason Schwartzman become huge from it. It's just kind of funny, like, the convergence of talent. You know what well, I mean? Like a, a lot talk of about Bill Murray. But, like, a lot of, like, actors you know, will be in like a shitty first movie and people will be like, oh, well, at least that actor's good. Or you'll have a director who has some people in his movie who are like, you'll never see again. Oh, you're, you're saying Wes Anderson just fucking took off and took everyone with him. No, I think, I think the fact that you had all these talented people that just happen to know each other, because I mean, they've all done great since then. Like Owen Wilson is hilarious, obviously. Jason Schwartzman is hilarious and everything, you know, you see him in. Yeah, Luke um, Wilson is Owen's brother. Yeah, hilarious. And Andrew Wilson, who was in this. Who's Andrew Wilson? He's the third Wilson brother, and he's the uh, baseball coach. Oh, my God. Like, the voice is so obvious, too, if you, like, pay attention to it. One of my favorite, uh, my favorite jokes in the, in the whole movie is when he comes out of the play after being punched in the face, and Luke Wilson's like, what happened to your face? And he's like, I was punched in the face. Or no, what happened to your nose? I was punched in the face. What's your excuse? Because all the Wilsons have like fucked up noses. <laughs> I thought it was fucking funny. Yeah, no, that's good. I do like the cameo. I'm surprised Owen Wilson wasn't in this at all. I, I mean, he was. he was, but he wasn't. But he wasn't. Wait, 
what was he he wrote it oh i think um and i didn't notice it but i read it and i tried to find it but i couldn't apparently he plays uh mrs cross's dead husband that you see in photos so she does have a type it's it's a wilson it's a wilson which i guess means that oh but he has a different last name but owen wilson is her friend or luke wilson's her friend from harvard and owen wilson's her husband yeah she didn't go after the baseball coach though she went after bill murray i i did also read that bill murray loved the script so much that he said he would do it for free and then actually like put down some of his mo- own money to pay for some of the parts of the movie that the studio wouldn't cover. Yeah, $2,500. <laughs> Wes Anderson wanted $35K, but he gave him $2,500. <laughs> um, that's actually now, you know, I remember you, you only going into the movie. Um, you were only 20 minutes into the movie when I called you to ask you how it was going. And you were like, yeah, you know, Bill Murray. It's kind of strange. And I told you that Bill Murray does like random shit during the whole movie do you see what i mean now he it's the character just goes along with everything that the schwarzman character does which i find funny um that's what like a man in his position who's really rich but like hiding behind the tree uh and then like booking it when he <laughs> delivered the letter and he books it away from her and then jumps right. over the fence. Well, that's the kind of shit I mean. I was like, is that actually scripted? Is, did Wes Anderson tell him to do that? Or is that Bill Murray just being like, I'm going to do this shit and you're going to keep it in the movie? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't find anything on that, but I do. I wouldn't surprise me Bill Murray adding his own flair to stuff because he's one of the funniest people to ever live. Um, you want to get into it? Let's get into it. So basically it starts out, I mean, we kind of talked about the Schwartzman character going to this private school called Rushmore, title of the movie. And I love it how it starts out with him having this like fantasy dream sequence. <laughs> how he's like the, uh, the basically the beautiful mind, not the beautiful mind, the... Um, A uh, movie with Ben Affleck and and uh, Matt, Matt Damon. Damon. Yeah, the Goodwill. He's Goodwill Hunting. He's Goodwill. He's Goodwill Hunting in this. Uh, he solves the math problem that uh, exempts him from ever having to open another math book for the rest of his life. Uh, for us to only find out that it was just a dream, and I think that's a perfect character introduction because I think his idea of himself is much bigger than what it actually is, and I think that was portrayed really well. You know what's that that's true. And like halfway through it, I'm like, what the fuck is going on in this? I was like, this has to be a dream, right? And then like you find out it is. But but what I like about the character is he obviously has this complex of thinking he's better than he is. But there are certain aspects of him that are really good. Like he yeah. is actually a really good playwright for someone in high school. You know what I mean? He is and he is like a good organizer. But the the fact that his dream is being really good at math and yet he will put zero effort into math or anything like closely related to that um, is I think very funny. And th- they also, they don't really, I think you can take it either way, but he asks at one point for uh, Mrs. Cross to be his tutor. And it's like, 
did he actually need a tutor? Is he stupid and needs a tutor? Or is like he's going to steady, so he might as well get to steady with her because he's in love with her? Um, I think you could see that either way. Yeah. Um, you, I like how deep, I guess you would say, his character is that it's not just like, <laughs> it, one of the one of the kind of the most uh complex things about his character is that he's a total nerd right but he he does everything he does everything from chess team to to uh fencing to track to wrestling so it's not like he's a nerd that doesn't enjoy sports he's a nerd that hates academics which i think is kind of an interesting take on it he's like a hipster nerd he's he, and he only <laughs> he, he's an alternate for wrestling and he's clearly bad at it yeah but that's um, that's the point though like he'll put himself in something that he's not good at and he'll probably never be good at but he'd rather do that and occupy his time with that instead of studying right i do love the montage of the extracurricular activities especially like the the ones at the end where he's kind of just posing it's great. They're really cool. Um, I love Bill Murray's speech. And it took me to the second time watching to realize that like, he's basically giving Max the advice of like, that's going to shape what Max does in the movies. Like, you know, take a, take dead aim at the rich people and take them out, which is what <laughs> he does to Bill Murray. Yeah. Um, and I love that he compliments Bill Murray. And Bill Murray's like, that's a sharp little guy. And the Dean's like, he's the worst student we have. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that that's the thing though is that he's not a dumb guy he's super smart he just can't be bothered with you know boring shit like history math and science i wouldn't i wouldn't say he's super smart i don't know i mean to, to do all the things he did i gotta give him credit for that so right after this the dean tells him that he's on super secret double sudden death probation um I love that he asked the dean. He's like, listen, you know, I may fail another class. If that means I have to stay for a postgraduate year. He's like, we don't offer postgraduate years. It's like, this is high school. Uh, I thought was great. And then the little kid comes up, Dirk, and he's like, well, what are you going to do? He's like, what can I do? I have to pull strings to the administration. Not, I have to study. It's like, <laughs> no, I have to fucking get out of this some other way. It's actually really funny how throughout the entire movie, he knows how to work the system. He knows who to talk to. He knows how to get the student body behind him in such a way that he gets to like step nine out of 10 on building this fucking aquarium just to be caught in the end. Like that's hilarious. Like that whole thing is so funny, but it's, it's to like the point of like, okay, it's ridiculous. It's even more unbelievable. Like we're walking to fantasy land if he actually was successful in getting that aquarium built the way he went about it. But the fact that he was caught, I feel like really grounds this movie because he's always kind of foiled in the end. What's well, funny though is as we're going through that, I didn't even consider the fact that he didn't go, you know, he says, I want to wait. He says to Bloom, Bill Murray, I want to wait until I have all my ducks in a row to go to the administration about this. Not realizing that meant I want to go to them after it's built <laughs> and tell them <laughs> there's an aquarium on the baseball field. Um, 
So it's just like, I, I didn't even consider that as like a possibility. And then when you see him cutting down trees and the baseball coach is like, what is going on here? And then the Dean runs out here. It's like, oh, it's such like a good kind of reveal. Wasn't it that he, I don't know. It, it For me, things mirror each other in this movie. Like things from the beginning mirror each other to the end. Um, oh no, this was when he switched to the to the public high school right. um where he's fencing by himself in the uh in the gym and then it was completely taken over by the basketball team mm-hmm. um i felt like that later scene mirrors the one where he during the baseball game starts building the aquarium right on the field so he gets his comeuppance back and forth you know right um so then we get just a random student telling him about Latin being canceled. He's like, oh, I've been trying to cancel that for five years. Uh, and at this point, when you see that, like, you're like, oh, that's like a really, that scene is like, obviously just so purple. It's like something that almost felt like stuck in, in the writing process. Cause it's going to matter like as a plot point. What I found so hilarious about that scene is that he's like, oh, I've been telling them for five years. Oh, it's a good thing they finally listened to me. Not, oh, we're having Japanese and we got to make room for it. Like, right. He didn't even factor it into the equation. And I love right after that too, he like finds the quote in the book and he goes to the librarian. He's like, I need to see every person who's rented, the, who's like checked this book out in the last year. And the guy's like, why? And he shows him the quote and the guy's like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get it now. That actually doesn't make sense if you think about it. Because if Mrs. Cross donated that book because her husband gave it to her, it's implied that she wrote that quote in the book before she donated it to the library. So she would have actually never had her name in it. Well, she, she could have checked it out, but it would make no sense for her to check it out. That's what I'm saying. Unless yeah. she checked it out just to kind of reminisce about her husband. I mean, she did sleep in what I think was his childhood bedroom. Maybe. I don't want to dive into that just yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he finds Mrs. Cross and then, we get the scene after that with Dirk's mom where he, I love the card he gives her. It's just like, it says it's his phone number, but it just says Rushmore and then extension 23 or whatever. Just like call the school and then hit this extension and you'll get me. makes me think he has his own office, which totally, he totally could have. I love the line right afterwards. He's like, the guy's talking to him. He's like, I thought that's why you picked Dirk because of the mom. He's like, what are you a lawyer? (laughs) Get out of my face. (laughs) But one of my favorite early scenes, for so many reasons, and all of my favorite scenes involve Bill Murray, even though Schwartzman's great in this, but Bill Murray's just amazing. Um, he comes to talk to Bloom, Bill Murray, and Bill Murray seems to like him, but if you'll notice, the car is slightly moving the whole time they're having this conversation. Yes. Which is I probably because he actually just hates his own kids and he hates being at the school. Um, and then put the line from Schwartzman about like, you know, you just got to, cause he, uh, Bill Murray asks him, he's like, you know, what's, what's the secret max? And he's like, Oh, you just have to find what you love. And so I want to be at Rushmore for forever. <laughs> it's like, Oh my God. Yeah. Bill, Bill Murray's character is, is kind of like one of those. It's one of those characters that hates kids I I don't know. It's like, it's like he hates kids, but he puts himself in these situations where he has to be surrounded by kids, right? Like he's donated a shit ton of money to the school. 
that his own kids go to that he probably hates his own kids more than than anyone else and then the the one of the funniest scenes to me is when they're at the birthday party right the budweiser shorts the budweiser shorts but also he is throwing golf balls in a dirty ass pool and as his wife is hand feeding cake to her lover and he jumps off the diving board with a cigarette in his mouth and then this little kid swims by like the whole thing is just a fucking just in a perfect scene shows how much his life fucking sucks no absolutely and the budweiser shirts were so funny for me um <laughs> that yeah that whole scene is great but, but i do like going back to it i love when his kids finally get in the car and they're like he's like why don't you invite that kid to your birthday he's like what no there's gonna be girls there get your head out of your ass dad <laughs> just I've, i haven't laughed as loud in a while when bill murray just hits one of the kids <laughs> it's uh, so unexpected i think the next scene is when they're at the the wrestling um yeah i mean before that he does meet miss cross for the first time and the greatest part about that is he's like where'd you go to school she's like harvard he's like oh what a coincidence harvard's my safety school she's like oh wow that's impressive yeah the fucking what oxford and the sorbonne is yeah (laughs) schools um yeah because of that conversation he then gets it to where latin is now required for everyone in the school every year oh yeah for her um what do you think of the relationship between Schwartzman and, and or I'll, I'll call Max Fisher and, and Mrs. Cross? Because obviously she says multiple times, like, you know, our age difference, it's inappropriate, you know, blah, blah, blah. But do you think, um, do you think she actually liked him? I think she, I think she liked him plutonically. I don't think she had feelings for him um, throughout the movie. And I, but I think she realized it was very obvious that he felt differently. And so very quickly she's like, Hey, this can't, this can't be happening. Um, I never felt like she was like conflicted because every time he like brought stuff up, she was very much like, well, there is no relationship um she's like i didn't break up with you for him because we were never going out like she's very clear with him that nothing was ever happening yeah but i still feel like there's times where she crossed a line with that relationship even though she was verbally very you know strict about it i felt like some of her actions were a little little sus to me you're max fisher You're sitting in class like, fucking teacher wants to be so bad. No, no, no. All (laughs) I'm saying is that she let him get a little too close to her, I think, at points. Were you talking about when he tried to force a kiss on her or when he forced a kiss on her? Which which time were we talking about? When he he was in the bed. Like, think about it. Think about it this way, right? He just tried to force a kiss on her. And and so that's like a form of like sexual assault. And then he shows up on your roof window wanting to come in. Would you actually like, no, you would not let him in. And the fact that she did let him in, I feel like, I don't know. 
That was. Yeah, but I think I think he was kind of a loser, and she felt bad for him. Well, sure, but I mean, um, I also like going back though the wrestling part you talked about. First, the you were in Vietnam. Were you in the shit? Yeah, I was in the shit. And then him just pulling off his suit to go wrestle. Hold on, you're missing. Ass you're missing a great part where he goes, "I never in my life thought I would have sons." like these yeah and then he turns to Schwartzman and he goes what does your father do and that's when we hear that he's telling everyone that his dad is this great like brain surgeon yeah neurosurgeon i i don't know if that's who he told if he told everyone that but he definitely told him that i guess you could imply that he's it can be implied that he's telling everyone that i think so um, because at the end his dad was like Oh, a lot of people get a lot of people make that mistake. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just once again, though, love the wrestling scene. It reminds me of something that happened in high school. Uh, our senior year, we had, I think it was senior. No, it was probably like 10th grade. We had this kid join the wrestling team and he was bigger. And so he was in like one of the higher weight classes. And his first match was him running around the mat until the guy could catch him and then pinning him in like eight seconds. Pinning the big kid? Yeah. Because he oh, so he'd never wrestled before. So he, he was, was just, horrible. Okay. Yeah, he was he got better, but yeah. I mean, he was going against really ripped fucking strong dudes who had wrestled for forever. Um we already talked about the the family like the pool scene, but when he goes to him for money and then just like the the guys the guy that's with Bill Murray and Bill Murray's like, Well, what do you think? He's like, Well, what kind of fish? And he just names off all these fish and he's like piranhas, and the guy's like you get fucking piranhas? And he's like, yeah, I got a contact in South America. <laughs> and then he I asked like, for 35K. Yeah. And he's like, I'll give you 2,500. Okay. And then he uses that 2,500 to buy the smallest fucking fish. Well, no, I mean, he's still got to break ground. You know, that was just like a little dipping into the funds, you know? Uh, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. A little, little sweet money. Yeah. Um, all right. Sorry, this movie is quite... For for ninety minutes, it's so it's so dense. Yeah, uh, remind me what happens next. Um, well, we didn't even talk about the scene where he finds out about her dead husband and he drops the fish food, which I think is great. Like, if you watch this movie ten times, you'll find a new joke every single time. Oh if no, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And and the thing about the dead husband and the fish food is that, um. This, I feel like it was very true to what a high schooler would react in t someone telling them like, oh, my husband, he's, he's dead. Immediately making it about themselves. Oh, well, my, my mom's dead too. I, I guess we both have dead people in our... Yeah, in our we, yeah we both have dead people. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh great. Yeah. Uh, so the next scene is when he fills up her lemonade and gives her a new pen. And she's like, you're too young. And he's like, he's like, haven't you thought about that? He's like, I thought that you would think that. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and then wants to shake her hands i love too she's like uh he's like i've never met anyone like you and she's like i can honestly say that i've never met anyone like you either and he's like you haven't have you this is this is quite perfect because in every scene that you're talking about and that you love i also love i also think it's a great scene but you're missing like some of my favorite jokes from that scene so this is a great like dynamic where you talk about 90% of the scene and then I come in with my favorite joke. So my favorite part of that scene is when 
and I'm not going to say it verbatim. I don't know it verbatim, but he says something along the lines of like, well, do you not think I'm attractive? And she's like, oh no, it's, it's not that. He's like, okay, so you do think I'm attractive. I think she said, no, she said something that didn't happen. You just made that up in your head. She says attraction doesn't play into it because you're just too young. No, but he, he, he twists. Okay. You're right. That probably didn't happen in the way I said it, but he, she says that and he twists it in a way to make it sound like she does think he's attractive. He's just too young for her. Right. No. Yeah. I agree with that part. Um, the next part, the Serpico play, I love. I love all the plays. Oh my They're god, this fucking Serpico play! If I actually, if there were plays like that in high school, if I went to like a conservative Christian school, so I was not going to get a Serpico play, and I certainly didn't get like Apocalypse Now plays either. But um, I just, I, I love the play, and then I love afterwards. He's like, "You forgot the line about the cannolis," and he's like, "I, I, I forgot. I'm sorry. Just let it go." He's like, "I." I am letting it go, but please don't say it doesn't matter, which like the whole time he's not letting it go. And then he gets that, punched. What, um, the actor who punches him looked a lot like Andrew Garfield, and I really thought it was Andrew Garfield. Uh, so I had to look it up. Um, fun fact, it was not Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield may have been like 12 at the time that this came no, out. No, no, no. Maybe. Um, so, so actually, age-wise. So actually, age-wise, it works. No, but you know the. Um, so you're telling me that if your if your high school had plays about Serpico and Apocalypse Now, and you know what would also been a great one of his plays would have been um, the the DiCaprio Wahlberg Damon movie that you love, The Departed. The Departed. That would have been a great high school play. You're telling me you would have gotten into the drama club if those were the kind of plays, David? I'm not a fucking cop. (laughs) No, I love too at the very end when he's talking to Mrs. Yang or uh, Yang's parents and um, Margaret Yang's parents, and he's like, "I tried to do this at Rushmore, but I couldn't." They're like, "Oh, was it too political?" No, a kid lost his finger. Yeah, when he like like black marketed all that dynamite, I'm like, oh my god, is he gonna blow up the school and like protest or something? But no, much. Better. And then we get a we get a Luke Wilson cameo, which was great. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. Actually, both both of the plays, the Serpico and the Apocalypse. Now we get a Luke Wilson cameo. He's big into plays like me. Um, I love when he's like, oh, you're wearing nurse scrubs. He's like, no, these are OR scrubs. Oh, are they? Which is like the only thing I'd ever seen from this movie before this. <laughs> and Bill Murray starts laughing. Now, okay, here's the funniest part is that Taylor watched this with me. I told her basically, she's like, oh, I don't want to watch it. I was like, well, it's about a high school kid falling in love with a teacher. And as we're watching this, she turns to me and she goes, um, Bill Murray's not a teacher. and i was like what she's like well obviously they're setting it up that it's like they're falling in love with each other i was like no 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 and this was of course before we were introduced to like mrs cross no it wasn't huh the the, oh are they seen or she said that she said said that yeah 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 exactly (laughs) and i mean it does kind of seem like that it seems like they have like a very like manly crush on each other I mean him more than him more than Max. True. Bill Murray more than Max. Um, I do love Bill Murray asking for the check. <laughs> like just like 
Can, can we get that, please? Uh, that whole scene is... It's funny, is a movie like this, I expected to be very like awkward and kind of cringeworthy at certain points, and it never really got there. It just stayed like a perfect balance of funny to me the whole time through. I mean, that dinner scene was awkward, but it, it, it needed to be because it fit that whole thing, you know? But it didn't get too awkward to me. I have a good sense of awkward. It didn't, it didn't get there for me. Do you? You said the prime meridian on it. Um, the scene where... Okay, so I think now at this point... Um... Bill Murray's hiding behind a tree? No, doesn't he actually try to actually build the aquarium? Or have we passed that yet? So he had already he needs started... To get, he needs to get kicked out of school. Yeah, but Bill Murray hiding behind the tree happens right before the aquarium. And he goes up to her with the note, and then she reads the note. Um, it's just a quick scene. And it's uh, just a little bit of like Bill Murray kind of falling for her. Um, then right after this is the aquarium where he invites her. She doesn't show up. The third Wilson brother, which sounds like if you listen to his voice closely, sounds like directly in the middle between Luke and Owen Wilson. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Um, and I love the dude from earlier who asked about like the, uh, asked about Dirk's mom then being like a reporter. He's like, so I heard there's going to be barracudas. And he's like, who's your source? He's like, I'm just telling you what I've heard. <laughs> no, it was piranhas. It was piranhas. Either way. Uh, tying the whole piranha joke back in there. Um, and, and, and I love I love the dean running in the dean running in and just stopping everything because it was just such a reveal to me. I was like, oh shit, he was just doing this. <laughs> yeah, and I like how that was the over the line thing that got him suspended. I love the suspension. The the not ex, not suspended, expelled. And I love the expelled scene where you just see a bunch of teachers surrounding him and the dean yelling at him. And then as soon as the dean moves out of the way. You see that he's just like tears just running down his face. No, no, I don't understand why you don't really need a whole meeting to explain that he's expelled, really. You just tell him he's expelled and to go away. <laughs> like, why do you need to gather all these people to explain it to him? I think it's fairly obvious. Like, he gets it. Well, what's interesting is that usually if you expel a student, you invite the student and his parents over to, you know, explain the situation, why he's expelled, but it's just him. And it's almost just him the entire time. And I think that's kind of funny. One more thing before uh, we move on is when the Dean comes in and starts berating him about this aquarium, he goes, Dean, please don't yell at me in front of my crew. (laughs) It's just so fucking funny and nonchalant. All right. So he's expelled. He goes to the Grover Cleveland High School. It's and... now October, by the way. Oh, and the reason no one else is there, by the way, is just because his dad doesn't seem to give a shit about his school. Like, his dad treats him as an adult. Yeah, pretty much. Um, did you notice, when we get to Grover Cleveland, who is one of Max's new classmates? Rory from Gilmore yeah. Girls. Yeah. Right, ne- right up. Front and center, as Rory would be. Yeah. Um, Alexis Bledel. I love the speech. <laughs> I love him giving a speech. Well, about Alexis Bledel is that, is that 
in the beginning of Gilmore Girls, she actually went to like a public high school and then she was transferred into Chilton, which is exactly like Rushmore. So if you want to like slice and dice this, same this, universe. This, this is in the same universe and it's uh it's a prequel to Gilmore Girls. You know, apparently so Rushmore is it has a different name, but that's Wes Anderson's school and Grover Cleveland was on the same street. Really? Yeah. And that's where they shot both of these. Like his um, actual school? Yeah, in Texas, yeah. High school? Yeah, it wasn't called Rushmore. Different name, but yes, the campus. This also, this also didn't take place in Texas, did it? This took place in... Uh, they mentioned it one time, one fucking time, and I can't remember. Did they? Yeah, they did. It One time and they were like, you can't do this in the state of... Blah. I can't remember. Huh. Either way, wasn't California, was it? Probably not. Um, and then what's funny too is you've this is when we first meet Margaret Yang. She's clearly into him from the very beginning. I also when I saw Margaret Yang, I was like, ah, what did she go on to do? Nothing. She went on to have like one kind of bigger role after this and then just I guess quit acting. It's kind of funny. Kind of she weird. She's pretty great in this, so she was great. And I thought the entire time I was like, Margaret, don't go for him. You're way too good for him. Surprising that Wes hasn't brought her back because she's seems to be really good for this. It's maybe so maybe it's not a matter of bringing her back. Maybe she honestly just didn't want anything to do with acting. That's possible. I do like the uh, the call to Bill Murray as Bill Murray jumps over the fence and falls. That's the kind of shit that I'm saying that he just probably went off and just fucking did. And Wes Anderson's like, all right, quirky enough, keep it in. Yeah. Um, Really, really great. And then he comes, he, uh, Max goes back to Rushmore and runs into Butchin. Butchin, I guess is how you say that name. It's a fucking weird name. Um, the, uh, the Ireland dude. Scottish. Oh. Which I'll just do this now, but I think is one of my favorite jokes in this. He's like, when uh, Dirk tells him that Butchin said that he get, got a hand job from his mom, he's like, that fucking liar. He's like, you know what? I'm going to send him in a body back, back to Ireland. And he's like, I think he's Scottish. He's like, well, tell that Mick bastard. <laughs> Mick is also a slur for Irish people. So he once again got it wrong, <laughs> which is like my favorite joke in there. <laughs> um, so yeah, he then goes to ask Miss Cross to tutor him. And there's just a montage. The, the use of montages in this movie is so great. And there's so many like tiny, funny things in all of them. Um, but yeah, it's just a montage of like the three of them hanging out as they like, I guess, parent him a little bit, but he's also in love with her. It's so weird because, because everything that they do uh, is like, um, like parents going and, and supporting their child and all of his like academics and stuff. Um, but he's doing all of this to one, form a better friendship with Bloom, Bill Murray, and two, to have Miss Cross fall in love with him. But every time he does this, unannounced to him, it's driving Miss Cross and Bloom closer and closer together. Right. A dynamic, I think, is really, like, really works in this film. Well, and then right after this, Bill Murray goes to her house and he's like, are we supposed to hang out today? And she's like, no, I don't think he had anything planned. 
And which is, is funny too, because this is like, there are a couple points in the movie where it seems like Schwartzman actually gets over Mrs. Cross. Right. And this is one of them where he's like so busy with his other school stuff. And he like, you know, that he just doesn't think about her. And so then, you know, Bill Murray like kind of hits on Mrs. Cross and, and Dirk, Dirk's fucking somehow spying on them and sees this. Yeah. But then immediately runs into Buchan, who's like, oh, well, you know what? He just said he got a hand job from your mom, so you shouldn't be protecting him. Okay, hold up, hold up. Because you're coming to one of the funniest scenes is where Dirk is standing in front of um, Bloom's car and he calls him out. He's like, I, I saw I saw what you guys I saw what you guys did. And then um he's like, Well, you can't tell uh Fisher. It's like I don't ever want Fisher to know. This has to stay, but this has to end now. And then after uh, Dirk's talk with Busham. Well, no, but uh, real quick, with friend, uh, Dirk says, with friends like you, who needs friends? Yeah. Which is like, but also, he spits on the car, and then Bill Murray tries to get back in his car, just yells at his kids like, open the door! Oh, yeah, and his kids were like trying to lock, lock, lock them out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with friends like you who needs friends is is actually a very underrated quote in this film um yeah and so when <laughs> when dirk finds out so just to put into context real quick i believe fisher was actually truly friends with dirk because he liked dirk i don't think it had anything to do with his mom but to seem cool he said that, yeah, he got a hand job from his from his mom. So then when Dirk found out that Fisher was telling other people that he was getting hand jobs from his mom, I love how the the immediate 180 happened where he goes to Bloom and he's like, Fisher can never find out about this. And then he sees Fisher after finding out that he told he got a hand job from his mom. He's like, I'm sorry to inform you that I believe Bloom and Miss Cross are having an affair. I did see them kiss on their front porch, but it was definitely confirmed to me when I saw them jump in the pool, butt ass naked and start fucking while you were sleeping on the porch, taking a nap. And I, I was dying, David. I was, that was the funniest fucking line read in the entire movie. I also, I also like the, the high school trope of hand jobs being like the greatest thing. Like yeah. this and super bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then right after this, for some reason, uh, Max, Jason Schwartzman, does like a bonfire at, at his own school. Well, he first, he first confronts Bill Murray in his car and Bill Murray says like he loves her. And then like all of the lines from Jason Schwartzman are great in this whole movie, but they're great there too. But then he just has a bonfire on Rushmore and the Dean sees him. He's like, what are you doing? He just flicks the Dean off. (laughs) And of course we get a very like um, typical Wes Anderson framing where it's just a wall with a window and the Dean just looking out the window. It's perfectly symmetrical. Yep. Um, And, you know, I think when we're talking about this is one of the least Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson films. When we think of Wes Anderson, we think of these like kind of elaborate sceneries that are perfectly symmetrical and perfectly uniform with these like funky pastels, right? Yeah, very colorful. And the framing of every frame is, is, it doesn't even have to be very symmetrical. It's very like 
golden rule, right angles. And then sometimes they are very perfectly symmetrical. This I feel like is kind of whatever, but there are some framing uh, scenes, the way he does it in this movie that sets the groundwork. And I think we first see it when it's that montage of all the extracurriculars that he's doing at the beginning of the film. And what you just said is where he was standing, those stills of his at the end, those were framed in such an odd way that it was just like screaming Wes Anderson. Absolutely. The, the next part of this is maybe my favorite part of the movie where he tells Bill Murray's wife that, she, that he was having an affair. And at first I was like, why does she even care? And then I realized she doesn't care, but this is just her way to get the divorce and get a lot of money and go fuck the pool boy or whoever that guy was. Where, where he says I'm being sued for divorce. I love, he's like, how long are you going to stay here? Indefinitely. I'm being sued for divorce. And the guy's like, very good, sir. <laughs> but he also offers her a sandwich while he's telling her that her husband cheated. And then for some reason, there's like a passing ambulance while he explains all the stuff that happens, which I don't really understand what the point of that was. I guess it was just to be funny, but there's no reason for us to not be able to hear him tell her, tell Bill Murray's wife that, she, that he cheated on her. Uh, the way I took it is we know as the audience exactly what he's saying to her. So do we really have to spend the moment hearing what he says to her? Since we, know well, we had it. to sit there anyway. I, uh, and then I love, I love the start, the montage of them going back and forth at each other. Max letting the bees into his room and Bill Murray's reaction of just like laughing and like, okay, it started. Like I love that walk this. out of the elevator. He just has the beehive in his hand. And he just cool guy walks out of the fucking elevator. And then how deliberately and like meticulously he runs over Max's bike. It just like goes and gets the bike, cuts the lock, brings it to the road, runs over, runs back over it, goes and takes the bike back, ties the lock together, then goes back to his car, sees the guy and he's like, uh, oh, I might've gotten caught. And then just drives off. Yeah. 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 And then what confused me was that the next scene, Max was driving a, a riding a different bike. And I thought the joke was, oh, it was the wrong fucking bike. <laughs> but I guess the joke is, is that he had to buy a new bike. He had to buy a new bike. And then he just goes into uh, Bill Murray's business. The guy at the gate just lets him in because he, I guess he doesn't know. <laughs> he fucking cuts his brakes. <laughs> Which, I mean, in any other movie that would have ended in probably a horrible accident or death. But instead, it's just Bill Murray driving in circles until he slowly stops in the grass in front of, like, the groundskeeper. And I love how the groundskeeper just doesn't, like, fucking move out of the way. <laughs> just slowly back. Yeah. Instead of going side to side, just like, I'm just going to slowly back up. Uh, and then I love the next line. Thanks, Dad, for bailing me out. I got to go get a teacher fired. He's like, I don't think that's a good idea, Max, for once. Like, the dad's like, maybe, maybe don't do that. Yeah. Um, and so then the kids attack him. And then I love when he goes to the Dean and we already did like the Scottish and the Irish thing, but when he goes to the Dean and the Dean's like, you're too late, she already resigned. And then they like, for some reason, grab over the evidence. Cause I guess yeah. Max is trying to get rid of it. <laughs> and the, the picture of them, like, I guess in front of a Chinese restaurant with a dude just standing there like kissing. Yeah. Oh, it's good stuff. It's all the, all the tiny details. It is good stuff. It is good stuff. Um, let's and see. then 
we get our first attempt at him sort of sexually assaulting the teacher, like trying to kiss her when he clearly knows she doesn't want to. Um, but I do love the response afterwards when he's like, what? You, she's like, you just want to have, you just want to have sex with me. And uh, he's like, well, that's a cheap way to put it. And she's like, it's not if you've ever fucked before. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's cold. Yeah. It's also a great line. Yep. Yep. And that's also an inappropriate thing to say to a 15 year old. Oh, he's being inappropriate. That's true. But do you feed into it? That's what I'm saying. I'm saying she's, she's kind of an instigator of this. In, well, in at her this point, he's right. a stalker. At this I guess point, he's like harassing her. That's true. Now, let me ask you what's worse, him sexually assaulting her in that way or him almost killing and murdering Bloom? Well, his worst judgment is then right after that trying to beat up Buchan. Why were they wearing hockey masks? I don't know. And I was like, who the fuck is that kid? I thought that was Dirk at first, and then it's just some random other kid. No, it's the random little kid that was swimming by Bill Murray when he jumped in the pool. Why is that kid invited to the pool party? That kid was in like every scene, like in the background. I was like so confused on why who that kid is. We need to find out who that kid is. We'll it's like the it son of a fucking producer or something. Um, yeah, so they were wearing like Jason Voorhees hockey masks with like knives. <laughs> like what kind of fucking high school is this where you walk around with masks and knives? Make giant leaf burning piles? I don't get it. Well, the Scottish guy I think is like the only person. Isn't he the only person wearing shorts? And he also just never goes to class. Um. His character next, development turns around, though. Very much in the end. My next, uh, another favorite scene of mine is when Bill Murray shows up to the graveyard. And he's like, uh, you wanted to meet me? And he's like, did I? He's like, yeah, right now. And he's like, oh, I was going to have that tree fall on you. And then Bill Murray looks at him. He's like, that would have crushed me like a pancake. Yeah, but that's, the, that's what I mean. That's the attempted murder. Flatten me like a pancake. Um, and then it I falls. Just, he just pulls a twig off of it and falls. But I, but what I was saying earlier is I just love Bill Murray's like choices to just kind of go along with everything. You know what I mean? Just like, oh, I was going to try and kill you. And he just, instead of just being like, whoa, why are you going to choose? He's just like deadpan like, oh, yeah, that would have worked. That would have worked. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I don't know. It, to me, it's weird the relationship that Bill Murray has with, with, um, Jason Schwartzman. I mean, that's Wes Anderson movies, though. Like, they're not really built in like a reality almost. This one's more real than others, but it's still not. You know what I mean? So it's like that's why certain things are, you know, more allowed. You know, I I, I get what a movie is. It's I get that it's fake. There was a lot of uh, racial slurs though in this movie for a Wes Anderson movie, but besides that. Yeah, but it was it's okay though, right? Because it was um it was part of with, with a charm. It was part of a play. And then it was Wes Anderson might be Irish, so it might be okay. Um so then we get to November, which by the way, I guess like we keep getting like the months popping up at certain points. But the November is just all a montage of him working for his dad and his dad just allowing first of all a fifteen year old to come work for him. I thought that was actually sweet. I thought it showed like a development between his uh, relationship with him and his father. And like, it seems once again, that he's like gotten past Miss Cross. And I love when uh, 
when uh, Margaret comes over and she's like, oh, can I talk to him? And he's like, oh, he's not here. And then you look over and clearly see Max just in the window staring at her. And then she walks up and he like he closes, just closes the, the blinds. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, but then December comes and Dirk comes and makes up and uh, we find out that the Dean's in the hospital from a stroke. Uh, one of the funniest scenes also is when Fisher goes to visit the Dean and he says, um, he says something and his wife is like, that's the most I've ever, I've heard him speak since he's been in here. And it's like, oh, he probably doesn't even know it's me. And the dean is like, is that Max Fisher? Fisher. <laughs> well, before that, he's like, what do you want? <laughs> um, and then, like, like, the best Bill Murray coming up. Like, first of all, parking in, like, the cop ambulance spot. Then, like, having the cigarette in the, <laughs> in the elevator. And the beer. Then, like, oh, who hit you? Either Ronnie or Donnie. Can't tell them apart anymore. It actually wasn't a beer. I went back. It was a Diet Coke. Oh. Why did he hide it in the nurse station? I think he was just, instead of throwing it away, he was just like, that was where he was putting his trash. <laughs> then, getting a second cigarette and like, <laughs> smoking both of them at the exact same time. And then he's like, oh, I haven't seen her in six weeks. And <laughs> Jason's first like, so how are you doing? I'm a little bit lonely. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Bill Murray like steals the show. Like Jason Schwartzman is amazing in this and he does a great job, but fucking Bill Murray is just the the guy that you're I don't know, both both have their their bad sides to them. Like you're not really rooting for them until you are. Does that make sense? All right. Well, I don't think you're rooting for there's n- no one in this you're rooting for, I would say. Maybe you're hoping that Max and Bill Murray will become better people, but I don't think you're like, oh yeah, that's my guy right there. Well, I mean, the see, that's the thing though. It's hard to root for Max because the whole thing that he's pursuing pursuing in this entire film is a relationship with Miss Cross, which we as the audience do not want to happen. But yeah. his success in, in Rushmore, I guess, is the thing we are rooting for in him becoming a better person. So, sure. Uh, so then, he f- because he found out that they broke up, he's like, all right, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to take another shot. So he gets the bicycle that Bill Murray ran over and then takes it over to Miss Cross's. And she's not even going to see the bike, but it, just in case, he like has that prop with him. And he climbs up to her to her window which she has these like weird curtains in front of it. And then she just falls for it immediately. Like, Oh, you've been hit by a car. Okay. Yeah. Like come right in. Yeah. But, but you have to question the fact that if he was hit by a car, like really, really, why wouldn't he just go to her front door? Why would he climb the fucking roof? Cause she knows that he knows that she stays in her dead husband's childhood room. So when her and Bill Murray were banging it, it was in her dead husband's childhood room. I hopefully they did it on like the couch downstairs, mm. maybe at his place, mm. the hotel. Once the bees were all let out, so I, did, did they get? Um, did she inherit that house once he died? Like, was I, I'm confused on why that room was a child room. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. No idea. They don't explain it very well. Probably purposefully. She not allowed to go into the room that they shared, 
Or is that the room that they they shared? They made it clear that she wanted to be in this room to be like closer to him. I guess. She said she was house sitting, but that almost seems like she probably just inherited this. Her husband inherited it from his parents when they died. She inherited it from them, but she doesn't really feel like it's her house. You know, it's their house. Well, that puts into question is, is that even the same house that she said she was house sitting? It was. Because that house that she said she was house sitting had steeple roofs, not flat roofs. And Max had to be sitting on a a flat roof. The architectural development of of the consistency between the two houses doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm done talking about this. Okay. So I also love in that scene, she she's like my husband had more charm wit intelligence in his little one little finger than you know bill murray and max is like one dead finger and she's like, it was yes one dead finger yeah which is also weird so then he weird. kisses her and gets kicked out well you also forget that he flawlessly as she goes and gets a band-aid jumps into his bed puts in a, a cassette tape and plays romantic French music as he's trying to Florence Nightingale seduce her. So, is that what Florence Nightingale did? It's like a sick patient seduction over like a sick patient. Yeah. So then we get the flying kite scene, and another really like early uh, Wes Anderson is the the flight plan that Margaret Yang has. <laughs> she hands over to him. That's a good flight plan. It was a good flight plan. Um, and then this is when Dirk and, and him really make up. He's like, dictation. We're starting a, we're starting a kite club. <laughs> Which he's starting a kite club. I guess he's just doing it with like, Dirk is helping him do it with his new school because Dirk still goes to Rushmore. Yeah, I didn't get it too. But then he started listing off students who could be part of the kite club. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he makes up with Bill Murray. And I love, once again, he's like, oh, I have these pins. Uh, one's, for, one's for never missing a day. The other's for punctuality. I, I thought we could each wear one. And Bill Murray's like, I'll take punctuality. <laughs> Just like not, this is super weird that this 15-year-old wants me to wear his pin. Just like, yeah, I'd prefer this one. So from that scene where he wants to wear the pins and he introduces him to his father, uh, Max Fisher is wearing this awful green suit. And if you notice, for the rest of the movie, he is in that same suit. From that scene to the end of the movie, it's that suit. Until, you know, he has to dress as a Vietnam guy for the play. But um, he introduces him to his father. And, And I think this is where we see the big character turnaround for Max, is that he introduces him as a barber. He's not ashamed of his father anymore. He's kind of found his own reality. And then um, Bill Murray gets like a little little makeover with the help from Max. Yeah. A little haircut. Are you fond of that mustache? Are you going to keep it? Just the shake of the head. And then from then on, Max's whole goal is to drive Murray and, and Cross back together. I love too. He's like, I've got a plan. How much money do you have? Ten million. Good. We're gonna need all of it. And then you find out these when the aquarium's being built. He's like, I've spent eight million dollars on this. Yeah, because the other two million went to that fucking apocalypse now play. Uh, I don't 
know how much the dynamite was. Dude, it's not just the dynamite, but the prop helicopters. You got to import the palm trees, the makeup, the costumes. Holy shit. Um, uh, and I do like the montage, especially them like just like doing some sort of aerobics with like bars as they're like swinging them back and forth, like at the Bill Murray's factory. Um, we never find out what Bill Murray does. Uh, and then Mrs. Cross doesn't show up to the second aquarium groundbreaking, but I guess this time because the mail didn't come to the right place. You know, there's a quick cut of like some guy moving a letter from his mailbox to Mrs. Cross's mailbox because it just went to the wrong one. I missed that. I must have blinked. Yeah, <laughs> literally, if you just blinked, it, you missed it. Um, and then he go, you know, Max goes to her and she's like, I didn't want an aquarium. I don't really know how that rumor started. It's like, cause Max like, Oh, she likes fish. All right. I'll give her fucking fish. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they broke ground and then I think the other, the only thing that we're missing is the, uh, the play. Yep. Buying dynamite. And then, uh, and then yeah, apocalypse now play. I love how he gives the dynamite to Dirk. He's like, you got to transport these. I got something to do. And Dirk has just the hardest time moving that dynamite. He might want to take your time and be careful. Um, so the play, the play is cool. We talked about the play. It's oh, the re- we didn't talk about why he couldn't carry the dynamite. He shoots the booch and the Scottish guy in the ear. Oh, yeah, because he's trying to recruit him for the play. And he just tries, like, we're even. He's like, oh, we're not fucking even. And he throws him the play. Always wanted to be in one of your fucking plays. He's like, I know. I know you did. Do you have a problem with Wes Anderson movies in the sense that they easily get resolved whenever, like, they need it? Like, any sort of conflict throughout the whole movie is easily resolved? No, because I just don't, I don't care about stakes in Wes Anderson movies. I'm not there. They're, they're comedies. So I'm there to be entertained. I'm there for like the witty dialogue, um, the cool cinematography and like set pieces and all that. Like, so no, I listened to, before we did this, I listened to a podcast that was talking about all of Wes Anderson's movies. And I was like, I literally, you can't spoil these movies for me because it's like how they end is irrelevant. You know, I mean, it's just like. Do you know how the journaling limited ends? No, don't ruin that for me. Good. Maybe there is one that matters. I do know. I did one thing that got ruined for me in that that I didn't know was who plays the father in that, and that part's kind of that part sucks a little bit, but whatever. Um, But like the, you know, as I was saying, they're just they're enjoyable and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that Max had a character arc, really. It doesn't matter. I was actually surprised that he became like a better person in the end. Cause it just didn't really matter to me. And I didn't think he was going to, you know, but this is like yeah. early Anderson where I guess that sort of thing mattered to him. Yeah. Maybe got, maybe got there was an actual flamethrower in that play. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. That's um... why were the cops there? Who were the cops in the, in the other part of the movie? Like, obviously, he brought everyone he interacted with throughout the entire film. Oh, maybe that. they're the ones that arrested him? Yeah, maybe that's why they're... I thought they were there because, well, at one point, uh, one of the guys says to Bill Murray, he's like, oh, this kid's going to blow this place up. And Bill Murray's like, yeah, he is. And, like, we learned about the dynamite, so you kind of expect that to have happened, but it didn't. It just, like, was used for the, the tiny explosions. Yeah, I think you're right, though. Those are the cops that arrested him, and he just invited them to the, to the play. 
just to just to put everything on a nice bow. So and then we find out, you know, after the play's over, everyone loved it. He's dating Yang. And you know, you said, Oh, does Mrs. Cross ever pun intended cross the line? And I do think she doesn't. But then at the end, after the play, after like the fact that she can see he's grown up and he's trying to get them back together and he's not in love with her. It does seem like the way she looks at him is a little weird. Like a little like, I'm into you. Well, they definitely did not leave room for Jesus when they were dancing, which I think they should have. It's public school, baby. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, then the movie's over. So you liked it. Overall, I love this. I was really worried that it wasn't going to be Wes Anderson enough for me. And maybe his first one won't be, but it just kind of seems like this has always been who he is. Um, It's really great. And I'm really glad I watched it. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan. And this is David. And today, I finally watched Rushmore.